0: The way I see it's it's a two-way interaction between the creditor on one side and the customer on the other. Banks and other creditors treating customers in hardship, customers in debt as debtors. But on the other side, the customers not being as willing to engage with the bank using the regular methods that they are used to, that they were when they took out the bank though.
1: Welcome to Collecting Thoughts, CNR Software's new podcast. We're your one-stop shop for digestible industry news, anecdotes, and advice as told by the boots on the ground industry leaders and subject matter experts. We'll be covering topics across the collection space, technology, and finance. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm happy to have you join us. Today's guest has been knee-deep in all things software, analytics, and product management for three decades. His passion and expertise lie in leveraging technological advances to deliver best-in-class solutions for companies looking to level up their collections and recovery operation. Welcome Chris Hopkins, Senior Director of Product Management at CNR Software.
0: Hi, Chris. Hi, thank you, Christina. Yeah, it's great to be here. I feel it's really timely we're having this discussion today, given that the whole topic of AI is so loud in the news. You know, every evening here in the news we hear about AI, we hear about chatbots.
1: Yep, chat yeah, chat all all in all of my newsletters that I subscribe to. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and should we all be worried about our jobs? Are chatbots gonna take over the world? Is it gonna be the end of humankind as yep. we know it? Unfortunately, we also hear, you know, we've got other experts come on and say, No, that's not the case at all. You know, it's all part of the fourth industrial revolution and you know, the dust will settle one day, and we'll all be so used to using chatbots and AI, and it will just become part of our lives. In fact, it will enhance our lives.
1: Before we actually jump into everything that's happening in modern day, all of the evolutions, and chat GDP, and how can we use it, let's take a step back. As someone who's been working in the space for a while now, can you walk me through how you've noticed the technology shift in the collection space? When did people start thinking about modernizing the process? When did it stop being just letters and phone calls?
0: Well, I've been around collections recovery for a number of years, a number of decades, actually. I started in IT, we didn't even call it IT in those days, about 42 years ago, I think. The first computer programs I wrote were fed into the machine in the form of punch cards. The data was fed in, in the form of punch cards. My daughters can't even believe how primitive the world was in those days. But when I think about that, and then think about something like credit scoring, which is basically the use of technology yeah, in the credit space.
1: Mm-hmm. Something we're all familiar with today. Exactly,
0: exactly. The first credit score was devised in about 1956. So it's not new technology as such. But obviously, there's been a huge evolution. And that evolution, really, the way I see it is, the uptake of those uh, technologies as they've evolved We always seem to concentrate on the earlier stages of the credit life cycle. So we're concentrating on marketing, on originations, on customer management. And collections and recovery really is a poor relation at the end. So the takeover of those technologies is really less than I feel it might have been. At the same time, there's become a greater focus on the customer. And that's been an even kind of later development, if I think of my time through collections and recoveries. For the majority of that time, a customer who owed money wasn't the customer. We called them a debtor. When we categorize debtors... Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. You're a debtor. And we, we even categorize yeah. you into one of two pots. Are you a can't pay or are you a won't pay? And we would use that basic mm-hmm. information to try and work out how to get our money back because that was the objective of the.
1: Yeah, not very customer centric. No,
0: absolutely means. not.
1: And how long ago was that, that those were the terms?
0: Oh, um, until a few years ago.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: even back two to three years, it was still quite common in, in, in what I see uh, to see those terms used, particularly things like segregation between can't pay, won't pay, and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think that kind of tracks with a lot of consumers, myself included, may stereotype collections as being old-school, not being consumer-centric, but you're saying now, especially within the last few years, all of that is shifting, and now we're really focusing on A, the consumer, and B, how the collection space can utilize all the technology that all of the consumers, other financial institutions are using, you know, bank apps, all of that, in the collection space.
0: Well, the way I see it is, it's it's a two-way interaction, yeah, between the creditor on one side and the customer on the other. So, yeah, there is a shift from banks and other creditors treating customers in hardship, customers in debt, as debtors, not providing that same level of customer service, not providing that same level of customer support. But on the other side, it's the customers not being as willing to engage with the bank using the regular methods that they're used to that they were when they took out the bank loan, that they were when they wanted a credit line increase, or when they were not in financial Mm -hmm. hardship. And that's a natural reluctance. People live in fear of escalating debt problems if they're in financial hardship. It's a very stressful um, situation. It's an embarrassing situation to be in maybe to offer many people to um, speak to a live agent about a debt situation, especially if it's the first time that person has been in debt. So that's not the customer's fault, but it's incumbent, I think, on the financial institutions to both treat those customers as if they were still customers, as a continuation of the overall customer journey from when they initially took out the credit, and for the banks and other financial institutions to provide the capabilities that encourage and help the customer interact with the bank.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to your point, it seems like phone calls and letters certainly aren't enough anymore, right? And even email is now considered a nuisance and not even something helpful. Especially if their introduction to the collections industry is relatively new which we know a lot of people are experiencing an introduction to the collections industry because of buy now, pay later, younger people now getting into debt and having these companies reach out to them. So, to your point, and going back to the whole topic of today, it's why collections agencies and creditors need modern technology, because if they can't reach these people, whether it's new, younger people in debt or just people used to the technological landscape that they experience everywhere else, then they're not going to get a response, and, you know, it defeats the purpose. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And more and more people are what I call tech-savvy now. used to modern technologies living their lives from the mobile phone. And they demand and they rightly expect that kind of customer experience, even though they may be seriously in debt. So we need to provide them with those capabilities, and at the same time, provide them the help they need. And that might often also uh, require a, a, quite an in-depth conversation with a live agent because these people don't know where to turn. They, you know, they, if they could uh, solve their own problems through the technology, through a self-service option, uh, they likely would do that. But they still need that option of switching to that conversation with a live agent who can provide a, an empathetic um, level of support that, that they need.
1: So we've talked a lot about why these companies need to start modernizing their technology. But what is the technology that these C-Levels running a collections organization should be looking to source? Okay.
0: I'm going to speak about three different um, areas of technology, which all kind of fall under the umbrella of artificial intelligence, okay? And these are technologies that we could use in the collections recovery space to improve our collections performance, but also to improve the lives of the customers. The first one is machine learning. So machine learning, by machine learning, really, I mean analytic models. It's analyzing data about the consumer to extract some predictive variables, to to make some predictions of outcomes, okay? Then using those outcomes to make better decisions for that customer. That's things that you know, credit scoring falls into that kind of category, but it's it's been little used in collections and, and recovery until relatively recently we're seeing a, kind of a bit, a bit of a catch-up. When, you know, when I look at what I would see as a problem, why are we not seeing a greater uptake of this technology? There must be some blocker somewhere to that, okay? And maybe the problem is how to what I would call operationalise uh, the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a lot of data about our consumers these days. There's almost unlimited quantities of data. We've got data scientists we can employ to do with the clever analytic stuff. They can come up with these scores, these predictions. What we seem to be very bad at is utilising that information to make better decisions to treat the customers in a better way to provide better outcomes for those uh, customers. And maybe there's, there's technological limitations. So, you know, I'd encourage people to look at the technology they have available and think, how can they embed that information and technology like analytics into their kind of ecosystem, collections and recovery ecosystem, in order to make better decisions for the good of the company, also the uh, mm-hmm. the, the customer. There's one thought I had on the, along these lines, which is kind of an old adage that I've recycled for the world of analytic models, which it's really would become a model. It's only as good as the decisions made based on it. So there's no point in having a model. It's no point in having clever people who are data scientists, unless you're making better decisions based on that information, the outcome of those models. Okay. And traditionally, that's always been about collections performance. Uh, collection rates and rates of defaults and all that kind of good stuff. Um, But we can also think about the outcome or the decisions we make that we can improve being based on improved customer service, a better customer journey, Mm -hmm. a personalized customer journey. So based on characteristics of the customer, You might even uh, look at bringing in open banking data so you understand the behavior of the customer with their consent, of course, automatically trying to devise or having the uh, technology help you devise a personalized customer journey that best suits that customer.
1: And machine learning, you know, obviously it's a huge buzzword that we're seeing across so many publications, ours included, but I can imagine from the creditor's perspective, reading about how they have to have this, and it's such a great thing, they might think, like, I know I have to have it, but how attainable is it? How easy will it be for my team to implement? Uh, Is it going to be this huge, like, year-long process? So can you talk a little bit towards that? Like, It might sound intimidating, but it's actually quite feasible to start implementing machine learning into their day-to-day process.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I can. I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day who is um, head of analytics at one of the vendors. And, you know, he, he's an expert in this field. And his advice, which I fully agree with, was don't frighten your business with technology. Mm-hmm. You work in the business to try and identify small steps you can take. So easy to implement models that provide the best business values. So don't try and solve everything at once, but try and identify two applications of where an enhanced decision would really help the business. Ask the business, you know, where would you see this intelligence um, providing good business value or increased uh, business value? And then try to slot that technology, that model at that point of where those decisions are made. And if you've got the infrastructure that can execute uh, those models at the point of need, then you're halfway there. So, you know, start, start small, but look at the technology and try and solve those two things. You know, how can you execute uh, the technology at the point of need? But also working with the business to identify where true business value would be um, had from just taking one or two small steps.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you don't have to change the world day yeah. one when you implement this technology. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I find it funny that you mentioned the person you were speaking with said frightening because we can kind of use that to pivot to chatbots yeah. and chat GPT and, and all that. So, obviously, chatbots and chat GPT are, are also everywhere, but let's talk about more so chatbots in the co- compliance space. So, why is that something that, that companies really need to be issuing if they haven't already? Because chatbots aren't new, right? Yeah. Like, they've been around for quite some time.
0: That's absolutely right. And we're seeing, again, it's a bit like the machine learning models. We're seeing the uptake in collections and recoveries being a bit slower than it has been in general customer service. We've all seen chatbots, you know, when you log on to your bank's websites and and lots of other organizations, they have chatbots, and that's absolutely fine. So the technology is there. I think the appetite to provide self-service options to customers Is there in our country, you're kind of forced to do that by consumer duty looming. Even providing those self service options doesn't necessarily mean the creditors in this space are providing the chatbot. I think there's a blocker, there's a hurdle to overcome in trust. So it's to again, it works two ways. Can does the organization, does the business really trust this technology so they will let it loose on the consumer, on the customer? Now, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about kind of chat GPT being let loose. I don't think we'll ever see that in the short term in the collections and recovery space. a simple chatbot that helps the customer self-serve by providing potential repayment options or making it easy for them to make payments to... Help them do things like change their contact details or whatever they may, may want to do. These simple outcomes provided by the chatbot, there's still an element of lack of trust, I think, in is the technology mature enough that it enhances customer service? Or rather than enhancing the, the customer journey, enhancing the customer experience, provide yet another frustration for the customer. OK, because yeah. we all integrate, you know, we all uh, use chatbots where really we're asking it questions and we're trying to do stuff and the chatbot just either doesn't understand or doesn't have the capabilities to help us. And what we don't want in collections and recoveries is provide all this uh, technology, self-service technology, at the end of every engagement that the consumer has with the bank via the chatbots, all they're going to do is speak with the live agents. And it doesn't help anyone Mm it's just another uh, point of friction for the um, customer and it doesn't reduce the load on the call center at all you still need the live agent as organizations we need to be able to trust chatbot technology to actually truly enhance experience for the customer in the same way as the customer will engage with the chatbots only if they trust that the chatbot provides as good a customer experience or better, as good outcomes or better than they would get from speaking with a live agent, yeah? So as good a repayment program, you know, as good advice. If they get that from the chatbot, then they will engage with the chatbot. They will trust the chatbot. Otherwise, again, they'll just press on the button, speak to a live agent.
1: Yeah. And that trust goes both ways, right? If if the consumer trusts the chatbot, then they'll be able to resolve it without calling in. And that means that there'll be more room for people who have a very specific problem that a chatbot might not necessarily be able to help with. And that way that problem can be resolved and business runs smoothly and, and all is fine. Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd agree. And that, that reminds me of something else, which was someone is telling me that in their organization they implemented self-serve option in collections and the number of calls into the call center went down by 25%, which is kind of quite significant. But when they looked at the length of time on calls, they found that the total time spent on calls by their agents didn't go down. So the implication therefore was that the agents are spending longer in those conversations with the customers and those customers who truly need it. So the customers in financial hardship who truly need the human touch are getting a better deal because they have more time to engage with the live agent and get, truly get the help they want.
1: Yeah, they're not trying to just, like, get to the next person. Like, they have the time to, to really work with somebody.
0: Absolutely. And if you think about from the employee's perspective, from the agent's perspective, it kind of enhances their life as well. So rather than the chatbot's gonna do me out of a job, we can also view it as the employee's job is kind of being enriched in a way, because rather than dealing with the more mundane things like taking a payment from the customer or uh, setting up a simple payment arrangement, just doing that kind of more administrative tasks, if you like the simple stuff, they are engaged in truly helping the consumers. That's what they're paid to do. And that's what we want them to do, engage with the consumers and help them to get back to financial health. So we can kind of empower the um, employees in a way that improves their, their experience. It reminds me of many employee satisfaction surveys I've filled in in my years, countless. And there always seems to be one on there, the question that says, do you have the tools to do your job? Yeah, and now seeing ourselves here, I would give that five out of five. Of course, I have the tools. Well, of course. Absolutely. But what we also want is connections agents to be able to rate that as five out of five. And so are we providing <laughs> the tools they need to do their job? Are we providing capability for them to be fully informed when they engage with the customer? and be given the scope and the time and the information to provide the best level of uh, customer service.
1: So we've touched on machine learning, which helps set up the customer experience best for that consumer, right? Helping use data-driven models to create the ideal workflow. Then we talked about chatbots, which will help move the consumer along their customer journey, making sure they can make payments easily if they choose to self-serve. What's the final piece of technology that collections organizations really should be implementing?
0: Well, out of the many, the third one I've chosen is audio analytics.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. There's so many, but for this discussion...
0: (laughs) We could go on forever. We probably will. Third one's audio analytics, okay? Analyzing voice calls, okay? So that could be in real time or it could be in batch, you know? So the technology can listen in to the conversation, basically, between the uh, customer and the agent. And one thing you can do is to try and identify if the agent deviates from a particular script. So, you know, there's some information that agents have to impart to the customer at the beginning of every call, for example, like explaining, this is a collections call, and, you know, so the customer fully understands the nature of the call and, and, and so on and so forth, what we could do then is having immediately identified that they haven't said those words or imparted that information to the customer, it could warn them on their screen. And then the agent can take the required action, then they could inform the customer.
1: Like a helping hand.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they can be helped through that um, conversation. You could al- also use it to identify training needs. if, if you saw a pattern of behaviour where agents were kind of deviating somewhat from the ideal way of conversing with customers, there is another aspect of audio analytics which is sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis is basically looking at emotionally charged words. Yeah, I'm desperate, or people, you know, say these kind of things um, when they are on these calls. I don't know where to turn or whatever they're, you know, whatever language they're using. I heard it said recently that the first four of five utterances that a customer makes in a collections call, sentiment analysis can detect potential vulnerability in that customer with a pretty, pretty surprising degree of accuracy. Even before an agent, agent will pick that up, an experienced agent, of course, will be able to identify, you know, that level of vulnerability in the customer who they're talking to. But the audio analytics can do it so quickly and then provide again, provide that level of assistance, provide the warning on the screen, the information, like a virtual assistant on the agent's screen say, This customer is potentially vulnerable. And that's going to help the agent in how they converse with that um, customer and potentially what options they provide to that customer or offer to that customer. Should the customer be going for debt advice, potentially. Or perhaps the agent might hand off the call to a suitable colleague, a colleague who's kind of, you know, in a specialist team just for dealing with different types of vulnerable. Customers,
1: yeah, or supervisor, Super, like yeah. it kind of helps them know when they have to get somebody, you know, the the higher levels with more experience. And... Yeah,
0: absolutely. So you know, audio anal- analytics. Is, I think, it's very underused, but it's definitely something that organizations should look at.
1: You've outlined the three different technologies, and while describing them, you've obviously given examples of how a organization can use these to better their organization to better their consumers. But how would you summarize, you know, putting all these pieces together, combining them into one cohesive journey, instead of what some organizations may just be falling into the trap of, of having them just for the sake of having them, right? They're being told every which way they need to have these technologies, but how can they make sure they're going at it with a cohesive plan to utilize them properly?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's think about a customer who's entering collections for the first time. What we're going to do, we're going to use analytics. We're going to try and identify the risk. We're going to try and identify or predict things like the propensity to pay or the estimated collection amount or roll rate or whatever it may be, traditional outcomes we may look at or factors we may look at in determining how we treat that um, customer. That's kind of a traditional approach. We may also now, however, look at what's the best way to engage with the customer. So we take into consideration what content channels they've um, consented to, but also use analytics to look at what is the most effective way to start that engagement with the customer. Once you've got that engagement, you need to continue that to provide that seamless customer journey. So that's when, you know, you need to clearly offer the self-serve options backed up by the uh, live agent and make it absolutely clear, easy to use. So provide those options when you send out those communications to get that engagement, make it very easy for the customer to utilize those self-service options if they want. Speak to a live agent if they want. Make it easy for them to switch between the two so we have that kind of seamless customer journey. I'm also going to um, make a shout-out now for cloud, cloud technologies. Because it's kind of underpins a lot of these technologies, or it can enhance the usage of these uh, technologies. So, I mean, cloud also has seen an explosion, really, in the last um, year or two. More and more um, companies, financial companies included, uh, collections organizations, are actively looking at should we transition to cloud? And there there are well-known benefits around the cloud. You know, you've got things like uh, lower costs, scalability, resilience, security, all this kind of good stuff. But what's interesting in this concept is cloud computing, if you think about it, can also help us in the customer journey. It can help you leverage data. It can help in access to data which you can bring in to the decision-making process. You can run analytics over that data and enhance you your decision-making in providing improved outcomes for the customers. It can provide easier access to, to some of these new technologies. Now I'm thinking one of the big advantages of the cloud world is those innovations come far more frequently. When if you subscribe to a, a SaaS um, service, you're always on the latest version of that service because there is only one version, yeah. So when the vendors such as CNR Software and other vendors come up with new technologies that are on the market that are going to be helpful in the collections and recovery space, you get to use and leverage those capabilities much more quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like computing at your fingertips, the cloud. It's it's always there, it's always up to date. You can leverage all the best stuff that's out there in the world in terms of technological advancements to provide better business value. So at the same time you're looking at some of these AI type technologies, never forget by using cloud solutions, you might gain the value quicker. I wouldn't say you'd be mm-hmm. necessarily better value. We get that speed to value. The time to value is improved um, if you go down the, the cloud route, I would say, as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up, because cloud, it seems it's at the base of everything, right? Like, you can add all of these technologies, but if you're working out of a, of a cloud model, it'll just make your whole operation run smoother. Chris, it has been great speaking with you today. Before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to mention?
0: Cloud is kind of like a technical thing. It's an IT thing and business people think about, well, it's just another way of running computer systems and all the rest of it. But it's actually, there are huge business benefits in going to the cloud. So it's incumbent on, on, on vendors and on IT departments to try and articulate those benefits to the business. So we, you know, the, the business can advance and, and the knock on effect then is on the, the customer, the well-being of the customer as well.
1: Chris, thank you so much for spending time talking with me today. It was great learning about all of these technologies and, and really how they can be applied to the collections organization to help both improve the agents working as well, of course, as the customers going through their repayment journey.
0: It's been a pleasure. I wish we had more time to discuss it. Thank you.
1: I know. This really this converse this topic is so loaded we could keep Absolutely. going. So we'll have to have you back.
0: Okay. Thank you, Christina. All
1: right. Thanks.